Hello everyone and welcome to the Upstream podcast. I'm Prema Gurunathan and today we have a slightly different episode for you. Before I introduce our guest, for those of you who are new to Upstream, we're a partnership between Imperial College London and Hammersmith and Fulham. And our aim is to turn H&F into a leading destination for the science, tech and creative industries and also help transform White City into an innovation district. One of the ways we do this is through events and you know, masterclasses and workshops. And back in December 2019, we were lucky to welcome author, entrepreneur and all-round good egg Sophie Devonshire to talk to our community about leadership in a fast-paced environment. Sophie is the CEO of the Caffeine Partnership, a growth consultancy, and has also written the book compiled of wisdom from around 100 industry leaders called Superfast, Lead at Speed, which has had great success and been shortlisted for a business book award. In this talk, she explores the importance of energy, empathy, and editing to be an effective leader. With a side order of strategic laziness, which I'm sure everyone could get on board with. We have pulled out some of the highlights for you uh, from what was a really inspirational evening. And we must say thank you to Sophie for her time and distilling these wisdoms. So let's get on with the show. And partly because I want to share some things with you all tonight, but also because I am really happy to be supporting everything that's happening with Upstream. I think it's a fantastic initiative. And the more we can do to create a community here of like-minded, curious people, so we don't have to chef over to Shoreditch every time we want something interesting, the better. So what I want to do tonight is share some shots of stimulation, some stories, some ideas to get you all thinking about whatever is going on in your personal work lives and how to do more than just survive a rapidly accelerating high pressure world, but to thrive in that world. So there will be some stories and some perspectives from, as Raina said, some of the people I interviewed for the book, some amazing global successful leaders. I'm going to be uh, talking about three things, because it's always three things, right? First of all, I would like to talk about why I think this is a super fast world, why it's accelerating, why that is relevant to everybody here. So I'm going to talk about the world, which is a fairly big subject. I then want to talk about the most important thing in the world, which is you, as individuals, as completely different individuals, all of whom will have your own challenges at work, your own personalities, your own ways of interpreting. But hopefully tonight what this will give you is some shortcuts or some ideas to help speed up your thinking and stimulate your thinking about it. When you talk to anybody about what's happened in the last decade and the level of disruption and change that's happened, obviously that's driven partially by technology. We've seen coding layering on coding, on platforms on platforms, ideas on ideas, until what you've got in business is the equivalent of compound interest, exponential growth. And when you talk to anyone about coding and what's happened from a technology point of view, most people will point out that networks speed things up. 
And most of us know that in life, in business or whatever, the idea of building a network feels fundamentally like a sensible one. Having brains you can borrow, different perspectives from different life stories that you can use in your thinking. But most of us, particularly if we're nice people or um, at all shy, the idea of networking is slightly uncomfortable and feels like you're taking from people. But the beauty of something like Upstream or coming to something like this is it is an opportunity to meet people who could be critical friends to you, who could be thinking partners, who could give you a different perspective which will help you with what you're doing. I'm going to be talking about this idea of leadership in World of Speed. And to be crystal clear, when I talk about leadership, I have no interest in what your title is or you know, where you are in any organisation. Leadership for me is just about making choices for all of us. Not to just manage with everything that's going on, but to thrive, not survive to choose how we are going to shape our lives to respond to what's around us, to lead our lives in a way which can be more positive, which will be more effective and more enjoyable. And that's what I wanted to discover when I started researching this book. So I've worked in all kinds of different organisations, and I've always been a little bit of an acceleration addict, the thrill of seeing a business grow fast or seeing a person develop and master and change. The excitement of getting things done at pace. But a couple of years ago, all my clients who were involved in all kinds of different businesses and all my friends who were in business were all saying the same couple of things to me. First of all, they were saying, do you know what, we live in an amazing world right now. You can get things done so fast. You want to start a business? You can do it yourself. You can launch a website, you can change a business, you can transform everything so quickly. It's really exciting. So a lot of people I was talking to were saying, well, this is a super fast world, this is really exciting, I love it. But my team, my organisation, or I, you know, that's all moving too slowly. So there's a frustration there that sometimes the potential that you could see, especially in bigger organisations or, or slower moving teams, was, was, a, was a blocker for people. And then at the same time, there were lots of people going, there's so much potential out there, there's so much opportunity, and things are moving so fast. Actually, that's putting a lot of pressure on me. I'm exhausted, I don't know what to do. And sometimes the same people were feeling the excitement about the world in which we live, and also the pressure of it. So I thought I would do a little bit of research to work out, are there certain ways in which certain people um, are navigating this. I like the idea of stealing like a magpie from other people. Um, and Eleanor Roosevelt, she always said, we must learn from other people's mistakes. Life is too short to make more ourselves. So part of what I wanted to do with this book was learn from other people's mistakes, those people who've gone through it, and of course to learn from those people who are getting it right. Um, what were they doing? Is there anything that would help my friends, my clients, me feel good about this world in which we operate, perform better, enjoy it? So I had way over time talking to 100 different people. And what did I discover that all these very successful people had in common? 
purely that they were successful. There is never a recipe book. I'm not going to stand up in front of you and go, right, to be more successful and happy, step one, this is what you should do. They were completely different personalities, introverts and extroverts. They were dealing with different business challenges. They came from different angles. So there is no one easy recipe. But there are a couple of things they've tried, and there are a couple of approaches which may be useful for us. And there was one fundamental thing that they all agreed on. The reason why 100 people were prepared to be interviewed, very busy people were prepared to be interviewed and to contribute to this book, everybody saw this. The perception in this world that there is a need for sleep. And why? Well, I'm not going to bore you by talking about disruption generally, because everybody's been talking about disruption. But there is a reality, which is that whenever you think of Uber and its uh, interesting car crash for culture and the challenges it's faced, Uber has changed everything for every single organisation. Because it went from nothing to a $58 billion valuation in 58 countries, in just five years. It took me longer than that to get the planning commission agreed by Hans Hoffman from the council on my back bedroom window. <laughs> five years. You've also got companies like Marriott Hotels, a wonderful organisation, Marriott. And the other day, they were happily celebrating reaching a million hotel rooms. Well done, Marriott. Superb. Only took them 86 years to get. Guess who was celebrating the same year, reaching a million hotel rooms? Airbnb. Airbnb. Seven years it took them. Things are accelerating. Whatever industry you're in, what this type of change has led to is a worldwide epidemic of incredible impatience. The hot breath of the shareholder. Hold on. If Uber can do it, why is it taking us so long to get moving on this? of your ambitious bosses, the pressure from your customer or your client or your audience, whoever you work with, whatever you're delivering, everybody wants everything Amazon Prime delivery. Whether it's a big jet or a strategy, whatever it is, people want it faster. And people don't compare their experience in their own category. If you're running an automotive company and you want to go, well, this is how Volkswagen's doing it versus Peugeot, we were naive. We all look at experiential competition. What's the experience I'm getting from Amazon versus the experience I'm getting from you know, my BBC TV license? We have to understand that things have changed and there is an impatience out there. And it's not just your bosses, it's shareholders, your audiences. If we are ambitious ourselves, then there is always an impatience to go further and to go faster. But at the same time, we're always on culture. The way in which technology has given us opportunities has given us pressure. It is very easy to have overwhelmitis, you know, disease for our time, that sense that you can't keep on top of everything that's there. This is a challenging world. So I'm going to give you tonight uh, Three E's to take away, three thoughts um, to neatly package up three of the ideas from the book. 
And when you think about how much overwhelm you're facing, and all my interviewees who were in high-pressure jobs, doing high-pressure things with lots of ambition, one of the first E's is to think about, in a pressured world, the importance of nurturing and sustaining energy. Energy is everything. Without energy, fires don't start. Engines don't run. Projects are dull and don't happen. Things don't get finished. You don't enjoy your work. We need energy. That sense of being able to do anything that you sometimes get the day after you come back from holiday, you get that feeling? Everything's possible, right? Or actually, I often get it just before I go on holiday. That last week, I'm really because I've got that energy. The energy you get when you're motivated. The energy you get when you really want to make things happen. Suddenly, everything is possible. Paul Polman, an incredible business leader who has changed the shape of things for a number of people. Wonderful guy. My old boss from years ago, originally a finance guy. And when you meet him and talk to him, it's really hard to remember that as global CEO of a high-pressure FMCG company, you know, he's on a plane every week, two or three times. He's got a family he's trying to spend time with. He's got the pressure of all his people trying to, who see him as this poster boy for purpose in business, and he has to live up to that. He's got really tough shareholders and people trying to take over his company. All this stuff going on. But he has a calm approach to it all. And he is coping and thriving, even after a number of years, in this business. And for him, there was a breakthrough in his, um, without being cheesy, leadership journey. Right? He was thinking about what he wants to be and what he wanted to do. When he realized that it wasn't really helpful to spend every second of every day on time management. And any of us around this should have probably looked at time management, right? I've got 15 apps on my phone that are all about productivity. But rather than squeezing every drop out of every single second of the day, once you shift, like he did, to think about the fact that time management is less important than energy management, you can then do so much more. Thinking about what gives you personally energy. What's in your diary? What's in your life that gives you energy? The people in your team and your life who are radiators, not drains. What you put into your body and what you do with your body. And I had to tell you, I was so bored talking to 100 people and just ugh, all of them, almost without exception, wanted to tell me how important exercise was for them. Damn, really no excuse, is there? When all these very busy people are prioritising in their diaries every week exercise because it clears their brains, because it gives them energy. So Wim De Jong, the, um, uh, the, the lawyer who cycles to work, uh, the data um, CEO who claims that the gym is his sanity. Um, Liv Garfield, who is the UK's uh, youngest FTSE 100 female CEO, heads up Seven Trent Water. Right? Her diary is incredible. She colour codes her diary. And the other day, I was at a um, party and I met someone whose husband's job it is to colour code diaries. 
Nice work if you can get it, right? Thinking of changing careers. Um, but it really helps her, because what she does is glance at her diary and check she's got the right things in there. So it's important to her that there is a colour block in there which shows that she's spending time with her family. It's important to her that she has a colour block in there which shows she's spending time with her team. And recent research shows how important one-on-one -on -one meetings are with your team, you know, it's building that up. She has a colour code in there for exercise. As so many people I spoke to talked about exercise, it's almost so obvious. Oh, and she also has a colour code in there for learning. Again, most of the people I spoke to, learning, staying curious, gives them energy and allows them to do more and do quicker because they're stealing like magpies and they're getting inspiration from elsewhere. So Liv has in her diary every month one lunchtime with a fellow FTSE 100 CEO, building in habits to get energy and to make sure she's doing it. So of course exercise, it's obvious. Most of you will know that the findings about fuel, you know, the type of food you eat, there's all kinds of things you can do to give you energy. Lots of great science about the importance of sleep um, and prioritising that and what difference it makes to, to your creativity and ability to do things. Nurturing your energy from a physical point of view is really, really important. But for lots of other people, there are other ways in which they work out how to get energy into their lives. Guy North, who is the managing director for um, Preview TV, is an introvert. So when he was MD, he made sure in his diary there were 15-minute slots scheduled in every single day where he went back into his office and listened to music for 15 minutes. Music is what gave him energy. Having energy allows you to get so much more done. But it's not just what we do and put in our diary. Inevitably, it's that bit of saying no as well, and what you don't do. And I think this is particularly hard for decent, nice people. I think the crying shame if the future of business is that the only people who succeed are the arseholes who are prepared to say no to everything, right? I think it's important for us all to work out what we really should do, and therefore what has to give, and to be able to say no with grace and to be able to keep that focus. So my challenge to everybody here, because I suspect you are all naturally hard-working people, because you probably wouldn't be here if you weren't like that, and you're probably doing too much work on certain things, is to perhaps tonight embrace with me the concept of strategic laziness. Be a bit more lazy, everybody. It's my New Year's resolution last year, by the way. It's a good one. And Bill Gates supports this, right? So Bill Gates is alleged to have said, if you want something done, give it to a lazy person. They will find quickest, shortest, fastest way to get there. Genius! Next project you start, start off. Let's think like lazy people. Let's find the shortcuts, the accelerators. Everything in business and life want to move it fast comes down to making the right decisions and making decisions at the right pace. And you cannot do that if you don't have the energy to be able to get it right. So sometimes when we look at all the potential that's out there for us all to do more, the questions to ask are instead, how can we do less?
How can we do it faster? Who or what can we use to speed it up? Which inevitably gets us to the question of technology. And what amazed me when I was talking to all these different leaders, the ones who are really skillful, really understood technology. So they bothered to learn how to explain blockchain, and they knew the potential of AI. But more than that, they were constantly looking for other accelerators from a tech point of view. Gary Poon, who heads up um, Gillette for the whole of Procter & Gamble, um, you know, his default question is, is there an algorithm for that? You know, people constantly finding a way to use technology to help. But at the same time, the most skillful and impressive leaders that I spent time with all had and continued to work on as a priority, not just their technological understanding, but their human understanding. They were interested in how they could have energy, but they were all focused on empathy, understanding people. Because whatever happens with technology, you can have the most incredible technology in the world, but it is people who will create, people who will do, people who will make the difference. And understanding them is critical. So most of you will have seen in whatever industries you're in, a closeness to your customer, your client, or your audience, whatever it is, the closer you get, the easier it is to make decisions. So it's no coincidence that lots of startups that have done really well are often founded by someone who was the customer. Because they know, they can get it, they can make the decisions, they know what to say. Getting as close as you can to your audience can speed everything up, that human understanding. But it's not just understanding the person you're talking to, it's understanding the people you work with. And knowing your team is a huge accelerator. Patrick Lencioni, who spent years looking at uh, functional teams and high-functional teams and whatever, says it's not finance, it's not strategy, it's not even technology, it's teamwork, which for us is the ultimate competitive advantage because it's so rare and so precious. I don't know how many of you in your lives have spent time as part of a super team, a real high-performance team. You can do so much more. We operate in worlds where the solutions are not straightforward. We cannot go away and sit in a black box or in a room and solve it by ourselves anymore. We need recombination, we need different ideas and different perspectives. We need creative abrasion around ideas. We need teams. We need to slow down and build those teams up. But the brilliant thing about the world in which we live is that so many people um, are helping us. We don't have to solve everything ourselves. There are companies who are prepared to um, open source their cultural and team findings. Google, a data-obsessed company, went out and got the data on how to build a high-performance team. It's there for us. Project Rework, originally called Project Aristotle, as in the whole is greater than some of the parts, all available there, some great findings. But the number one thing they found, which surprised them and still surprises people, is fundamentally, it's not who is on your team that matters. Of course it is. You've got to hire right. It's got to be the right people. But really, it's how your team works together makes all the difference. What that means is, we shouldn't go out and fire everybody immediately. We should work with the strengths of people in our team and understand what more we can do when we work together. 
human understanding, understanding the power of team, understanding your customer, understanding your team, and above all, empathy means understanding yourself, know thyself. Have you spent time working out your strengths, what energises you, what's going on, what you can do personally? Are you allowing that time in a super fast, busy world to do it? Because sure as hell, the people I spoke to who'd gone somewhere had all moments in time where they bothered to slow down to think about what they were like as people, to get feedback from others, to work with a coach or a thinking partner or other people, and to understand themselves. Whatever job we're doing, whatever is happening at the moment, it is a relentlessly fast-moving world. Things do seem to be moving very, very fast. And that sense of continually moving does not necessarily mean that we should always be moving super fast, that we should be rushing around like busy fools, that we should be constantly speeding up as people in what we do. In a really fast moving world, one thing I would say is that none of us should ever, 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 ever underestimate the power of the pause. normally relatively effective when you're public speaking <laughs> because people go oh did she say something i was supposed to pay attention to what was it <laughs> it's really useful um, at the start of a project plan the pause the pre-mortem get everybody together work out what's going to go wrong planning that pause plan it halfway through top tip science shows you tell anybody they're halfway through they always speed up but if you have a pause planned in in the middle of something, you can check. Are we moving fast enough? Are we moving actually in the right direction? Are we all still aligned? Is it all clear? Planning that pause into it all. Or planning the pause just after you do something. Fast feedback. Instead of waiting to annual appraisals, planning a pause to go, right, what worked well with that? Would it be even better if? And get that feedback while it's still fresh in everybody's mind. Planning the pauses. And notice what I'm not saying is, oh, it's all moving too fast, we've got to stop. I work with impatient leaders. I work with people who have goals. I like working with people who want to achieve things. And they tend to be pace setters who don't like being told to slow down or to stop. But a strategic clause and, and planning in the pauses makes sense. Because also, when you plan a pause, you can bring together the brains in a room a strategy planning session, a meeting, a moment like this when we are pausing to think and to learn together. Building in your time to think means that instead of rushing around like foolish fools, we pause to work out not just how to go fast, but how to move with velocity. And interestingly, I spent a bit of time with some engineers when I was researching the book and said to them, yeah, talk to me about physics of speed, how do you understand it? And they went, oh, no, 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 Sophie, don't talk about speed, talk about velocity, much sexier word, right? And they're right, because velocity, technically, is speed in a given direction. You need purpose to drive the pace. Particularly important in a rapidly changing world where we all understand that business needs to be responsive. 
If you're not set up to respond to a, a complaint <coughs> or an opportunity, you will go under, you will have problems. We have to be able to respond fast. Great leaders are great pace setters for themselves and for the organisation, both in terms of pioneering things, but also varying the pace. They need energy, they need empathy, and above all, if you're setting the pace, you have to be a good editor. This idea of editing, trust me, writing a book, relatively easy compared to editing a book. What you take out, what you choose to leave in. Think about a, um, a high-end luxury store where there's just one or two pieces in there. How much you notice those pieces, how beautiful they are. Becoming a curator helps other people. If you're managing teams, to give them clarity of not 25 pages of a strategy deck, but editing down to what really matters. Huge skill. If you want to move faster, you need to do less and you need to give people a sense that you have curated their focus. Choose, purge, prioritise, edit. Mike Parker, who is the um, CEO of Nike, did incredibly well with huge um, competition. He looked at the projects they were working on, 451 projects, and edited them down to 50. And he said, look, Ideas aren't a problem. We're an ideas-rich organisation. But the ability to edit and amplify is critical. When you cut things down in your life, in your work, you can then do more with them. We are all distractible. Shiny new ideas. Shouldn't I be doing a podcast? Shouldn't I be doing this? You know, what else is going on? Have to edit. You have to choose what's going on in your life and you have to edit your choice because then it leaves space for the unexpected. Have you got space because you've edited to be able to move it? I tend to believe that in general there are lots of things in business and in life that could be done faster, right? Citius et melius, the Latin phrase, quicker is better. I'd rather have a one-page document. I would rather not have meetings that took the whole day when they don't need to. I tend to think that generally quicker is better. Although I do accept that there are a few things in life that of course benefit from being done at a slower pace. Casseroles, seduction, <coughs> bomb disposal. But in general, when things are done faster, they're also more interesting and more fun because you achieve things, you can make things happen. Whatever you think of Jeff Bezos, who is one of the originators of our cult of speed, you know, he makes a good point. Speed matters in business. And a high-velocity decision-making environment, so getting those decisions done, you don't spend hours and hours and hours going, who's making a decision, what's going to happen? It's more fun, too. And I think this is a brilliant world to be in. We can do incredible things, and we can do it fast. But we need to work out how we make that happen as individuals and get the pace right. So tonight is a great opportunity, I hope, to pause and eat mince pies, to pause and think about what you're doing, to grab me if I can help. I am, by nature, congenitally helpful, and I'm really interested in talking more about this. So if you don't get a chance to ask a question or whatever, come find me on, I'm very relentlessly social on Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever's helpful.
I'd really love to know what you think. And I would really love to continue to support everything we're doing. I hope everybody else is continuing to support everything we're doing in terms of upstream. Because to go back to the original point, the more we can build a community and network, the more we can bring together minds with different experiences, the more we can do faster and in a more interesting way. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Sophie, for your wisdom and for your enlightening one-to-one chats with guests after the talk. We had some amazing feedback on the evening and we appreciate your continued support of Upstream and what we're seeking to do in Hammersmith and Fulham. You can purchase Sophie's book, Superfast Lead at Speed, from the website superfastthebook.com and, as you know, on a certain online retailer as well as all good bookshops. If you want to hear more about what Upstream is up to, follow us on Twitter at HelloUpstream or head to our website, move-upstream.org.uk, where you can sign up to our mailing list. So thank you for listening, and we will chat to you soon.